Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. You're tuned in to The Show on the Road, a music discovery podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and artists from around the world. My name is Zach Lubiton. This week on the show, we feature a conversation I had with Jonathan Clay and Zach Chance, two best friends from Magnolia, Texas, who discovered as teenagers they had a certain superpower the other guys just didn't have. No, it wasn't their athletic prowess, they weren't stars during the Friday Night Light games that could have made them local heroes, nor did they wow their peers on the debate team or with wizardry and mathematics or art. These boys could sing, and even better, they could harmonize. And look, we've had twin bands, sibling bands, husband and wife bands, bands of lovers and friends who came together under crazy circumstances. But there's something about these guys when they sing. It's like they're one person, their body language, their cadence, the lilt of their voice, with Clay taking the lead and Chance dancing on the tightrope of high harmony. Two strangers became one somehow back there in Magnolia, Texas. For most of this last decade, this duo has roamed the country under the name they assembled from two of the most American of myths. The settlement of Jamestown, where the first settlers struggled to make it on American shores, and a certain rock and roll band called Credence Clearwater that revived a certain type of earthy, gospel-tinged rock and roll that kept inspiring bands to roam the byways of our quasi-United States to this day. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Jamestown Revival. So I hope everyone is doing okay in this second month of our pandemic pandemonium lockdown. This has for sure been the longest period I've ever been at home since I started touring full-time about eight years ago. And you know what? I miss that adrenaline rush that you get when you step on stage and there's a crowd of people waiting for you. So you have to make uh, that danger and that feeling of excitement happen in your own home. A little context, I was working on this intro and I was making dinner. Today's experiment was uh, lime and grapefruit and chili and garlic marinated chicken thighs, skin on, bone in, uh, put them on a cast iron and you sear them and then you put them in the oven for about 25 minutes. And as the chicken thighs were sizzling in the pan in the oven, I was writing these words with two working hands, and I started thinking about how the guys in Jamestown Revival are like two sets of hands that need each other desperately, and they're building a sturdy wood house to withstand the mountain winds, like the house on the cover of their new record, San Isabel. But from wood and nails, that house will not rise if the left hand isn't guiding the right, and the right hand isn't guiding the left. And how... Them singing right in front of me a couple months ago under the gentle hum of the tour bus and the hiss of the door as people came and went. And they were singing the high part and the low part. And I could not tell who was singing which part. It was like a magic trick where the Queen of Hearts and the Queen of Diamonds become one in front of your eyes. Right after I had that memory and wrote down those words, I took the cast iron out of the oven and then forgot that the end of the panhandle was still blistering blistering hot and I grabbed it like it was not hot at all and then I screamed and now I cannot use my right hand at all and it's stuck in a bag of aloe and ice can you hear it (laughs) and I'm wondering what would I do without my right hand and then with my left hand I write down these words do Jonathan and Zach have nightmares where they wake up in a cold sweat thinking what it would be like if one of them should die before the other? And is that what true love really is? Anyway, I'm glad I was able to talk to these guys on their tour bus in early March before all tours had to be sent home. Sorry for that engine hum, by the way. And we discussed their intimate new record, San Isabel, and how they left Texas to seek fame and fortune out west, only to come back home again to start families and start fresh, both humbled and determined to be the conductors of their own destiny. 
And while their previous record, The Education of a Wandering Man, saw them harnessing that muscular roots rock sound that can be heard in their powerful live shows, their newest strips back to the intimate two voices around one mic, Southern and Garfunkel sound, their words, not mine, that brought them together in the first place and has rightfully won them hordes of fans from coast to coast. They do say that there is something special about sibling harmony. But what about soul brother harmony? Do you believe in past lives? Sometimes I like to think that I wasn't a general or a knight on some crusade, but a shark or a dinosaur or a pterodactyl flying above a canyon. And maybe Jonathan and Zach were particles of dust woven together on a stream of light somewhere in time. If there's one thing I've started to believe in more and more recently, it's that chaos is the only true order of the universe. And yet through that chaos, two people find each other in one high school in Magnolia, Texas, and their voices come together, and it's beautiful. And aren't we lucky through the madness and sadness that this thing exists? And speaking of beautiful things existing out of nowhere, my group Dust Bowl Revival is putting together a virtual music fest, Sway at Home, part two. We had such a fun time putting it on in April that we're doing it again. Some amazing artists are coming through, including big favorites of mine like Pokey Lafarge, Valerie June, Freddie and Francine, The War and Treaty, and more. May 23rd and 24th, mark your calendars. It'll be on our Facebook Live. It's a holiday weekend. Let's act like it. And if you want to support me and my Dust Bowl gang, please go onto our Facebook or our YouTube. We just released a crazy new video for our song, Nobody Knows, Is It You? We got people dancing from all over the country to send us their videos. And man, it is the most fun I've had making a video in my whole career. Please check it out, dustbowlrevival.com, for more. That's enough from me, everybody. Thank you for listening and being with me on this journey. Here they are now, Jonathan and Zach of Jamestown Revival. Left me on a corner with an empty hand Feeling low Nowhere to go I gave away my money for a ticket to ride Took the wrong stop, sat down on the side of the road Nowhere to go I caught up my father what have I done? I need resolution Somewhere to run He said We are James Sound Revival and we are in the tour bus in Los Angeles, California. Hollywood proper. Yeah, we're behind the Fonda Theater. Introduce yourselves individually. I'm Jonathan. I'm Zach. So you guys are back kind of home in a way because th- this was your home base for a little while. Yeah, for three and a half years. Does it feel weird coming back or does it feel nice to be in the sunshine? It feels nice coming back. I mean, you did go to Disneyland yesterday. Yeah, we went to Disneyland. I got this fine sweater. We Yeah, we really ce- celebrated all things Southern California yesterday. Yeah, you know, I think it's easy to get used to every day being 74 degrees and sunny when you live here and then when you come back to visit, it's actually a special thing. Are you guys based down in Texas now? We're yeah. In, yeah, yeah, Austin. Yeah. But we grew up, we went to high school in uh, just outside of Houston, a little mm. town called Magnolia. Mm. So. And you met when you were around 15? Yeah, about 15 years old. And you still, you still like each other most of the time? Most of the time. Good 85% of the time. <laughs> yeah. You just get, it's like a, for John, it's second marriage probably. It's, it's yeah. you, just, you just learn to read each other's body language, you know. Most of the time, when the other one needs a break, I feel like we get along older the better. The older, or get along better the older we get. You know, we're kind of turning into old men and settling into a groove. Are you guys both dads? I am father of two, two yeah. boys. I, I'm not that I know of. Yeah, <laughs> I think Zach's a dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I would feel really awful. Do you find like you're the dad <laughs> of the band when you're on the road? Uh, yeah, in some ways, they call me grandpa. Okay. So maybe the grandfather. Of the yeah, family. John's an old soul, yeah. so he he has the, the moniker of. Uh, what is your most grandfatherly trait? Uh, nine thirty bedtime. Oh. If left to my own devices, I'm in bed by nine thirty ten. But it's pretty it, hard when you're headlining the fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you probably what the showtime's at ten thirty tonight probably. Probably nine, I think. But I was it earlier. You know, Great. Your, your bedtime hits you right in the middle of the set. It does. Well, Sometimes you're wearing it before we go on. My it's, wife will be very tour- pleased that you're. Yeah. Show is a nine tonight. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
I feel like I get into a groove, you know, because when I'm at home, it's it's asleep by 10, 10.30 and up at 6.45 every day. Which I like when I'm home. I do. Yeah. I, I do like to get up early, be yeah. productive. What do you do when you first get up in the morning at 6.45? Uh, I, I um, try to get my kids to lay down and watch TV so I can sleep for 30 more minutes, basically. Oh, well, you have to get up. What time exactly. do you get up when you get home? Uh, it depends, because I can keep some strange hours, but if I'm, we're home for a bit, I like to keep a routine. And then when I'm up, you know, like 7.38, then it's time for my first addiction, which is coffee. Yeah, we take our coffee very seriously yeah. around these parts. How do you make coffee when you're on the bus? Do you have a pour French over. press? Or pour French overs. press for practicality, if, you, if you're making it for the masses, if everybody's up at the same time. And if you're lucky enough to have some time alone, you, you can make a pour over in the morning. Yeah. Did you get coffee somewhere local today? No, it was we bus it. coffee, yeah. We, we actually did pour over for three. This, this barista right here. Yeah. We're we're still rocking a blade grinder for our pour overs though. Uh, I feel like it's you know it's like cloth seats in a Ferrari. I brought know, just... a hand grinder, but it's you know it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, we gotta step up our grinder game. Efficiency. When you guys get home, do you feel like you have a different persona than you when you're on the road? Like you have to readjust to your own new identities when you get home again? Yeah, it's a different pace. You know, I, I sometimes feel like I do. The pace of tours is so fast, and I love habit and routine, and so yeah, it kind of feels like you're in warp speed, and it takes a couple days for the uh, inertia to wear off, and then you're up to speed. Yeah, I think there's, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a different personality, I definitely go through an anti-social period when I get home, where it's draw the curtains and kind of just want to be alone, and then getting used to not no movie like when you're on tour your whole day is sort of planned out for you mm. and then you get home and uh, it's hard not to feel a little bit worthless because yeah. you don't have these same objectives every day so that's always an adjustment yeah I I was talking to a friend on the way here you know and she's like well when you get back from a run do you you know go exercise or you, what do you do I'm like I lay in bed as long yeah. as possible for a few days and Dude. watch SNL reruns it's it's kind of universal a lot of I feel like it's a shared experience or yeah you just like binge on a show yeah. and and like kind of I'll turn in like not see some daylight for a day or two yeah it looks weird I'm sometimes sorry. I forget that I'm in my bathrobe for at like 4 p.m. it's gross actually and yeah. I'll go like take the garbage out and my neighbors are like is this what you're doing today? Yeah. Well, I feel like I get that way where I'm kind of like just peering out at the world <laughs> yeah. and like turning into a strange creature. Yeah. So is it for you? Is it deep? Yeah. I mean, with Are family, you, it doesn't quite, you know, I just don't jump get that. Back I in. don't get that. Yeah. It's like when I get home, I'm on and it's, it's, uh, kids hanging from my legs and, you know. How old are your kids? Four years old and one year old. Whew. Yeah, so, you know. A lot of long nights. That's superhero status. They don't care that dad's been on tour. They're ready to go. It's like within 10 minutes of getting home, I'm outside with my son, like, throwing the ball, or he's riding his bike, and I'm watching his every pedal. Is it heartbreaking with such a young kid to miss certain things? Yeah. Yeah, like, in the next two weeks, my one-year-old will be walking. And, you know, he wasn't walking when I left, and he's going to be walking when I get home. He's so close. But, yeah, I mean, I'll miss his first steps, and... I've missed a lot, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's the part you don't think about when you start playing music. Right. And your life changes, but the demands of, you know, this job, which most of those being just the travel. Right. Those don't change. Those exist. They continue to exist, regardless of what's happening in your life. Your newest record, San Isabel, uh, is just a wonderful, uh, much more hushed and intimate record I think than the education of a wandering man um, and hearing the back to back was a really cool thing the last few days because it felt like I could see almost the not like mellowing of age but the sort of coming together of your thoughts in a more peaceful and nuanced way in That's this what it new felt one like to record it and focusing on what makes you really special is just the, your your harmonies. Mm-hmm. 
and having that be the star of the record. Um, when did you guys first know that you guys could harmonize with each other? When you're still teenagers? 15 years old, honestly. That was when we started writing and singing together. And we, we actually started singing... Um, we learned to harmonize the national anthem. Oh yeah, yeah. We were like, man, we have to, we have to find a way to be able to perform for yeah. people, and like the easiest route was to do it at like a high at our high school at a, like a basketball game or a volleyball yeah. game. So we worked out this this whole harmony for it, and uh, our first time doing it, uh, I butchered butchered it, and we get like Roseanne style. Like just totally not Fergie stuff. Like what came out of his mouth yeah, was Fergie, not maybe yeah, verging was, on Fergie territory. He was and yeah, we go in and I came in hot. It's a tough song. Yeah, and and John looks over, terrified with this terrified look in his eye, and we kind of just like powered through it. But um, it was, it was it was a sad start. I was like, abort, we limped abort, to the go unison, line. go yeah. unison, abort. <laughs> but there's a there's a song on the new record the harder way that feels like you're embracing this new life of maybe being a dad but also knowing that some of your life is behind you Mm -hmm. and that you have to accept your mistakes and your uh, limitations and that there's a peacefulness there um, which is really something awesome tell me about that song the harder way you know, you. It got, again, it kind of goes back to when you first decide to do this. Life is so much simpler. Yeah. And as you know, you look around and uh, everybody starts having kids, and people are all married, and everyone's got families. And you look at the. I look around at all my friends and how their lives have evolved. Right. Especially as it relates to family. I mean, that's it's. There's nothing more important to me than my family, and. You know, I have to leave them constantly. Right. And there, when you have to leave the most important thing in your life over and over, yeah, yeah, that's that just makes it hard. And it's like I'm torn because I love what I do, and I've really, I've really worked to try to stay as conscious as I can mm. of how special it is to get to do this, mm-hmm. and how. And just to try to live in gratitude every single day, because if I don't, then what is it for? Mm-hmm. Why am I doing it? And so it's it's been a I have kind of gone through a little bit of a mental journey with that. Just mm-hmm. at some points, like resenting the road, and mm-hmm. then sort of coming to terms with the road, and mm-hmm. then ultimately just appreciating the road for what it is and the role that it plays in my life. You think by now. I'd have learned Well there ain't much more to say the companion song you know this too shall pass to that is you know mm-hmm. the the back and forth of yearning for truth you know yeah. and sort of trying to take uh, in this beautiful view that's always coming up on the horizon and knowing you have to find a way to let go yeah everywhere you go yeah, everywhere you are yeah because if you hold on to every sort of bit of hurt and every bit of loss it's hard to be human you know like you say in that song yeah it's just negativity you know like the more resentment you hang on like just i've been really trying to let any resentment i have towards like you know just being forced to be away from my kids you know so yeah that's honestly the essence of that song and yeah harder way it just it all it's just cycles you know life just is peaks and valleys Mm -hmm. and getting older it's it's weird ironically as fortunate as we are to be sitting on this bus doing this podcast right now there's a part of us that I think misses when we were sleeping in the back of our cars and, yeah you know just when we would literally there was nobody showing up to see us play 
but we were on an adventure. And yeah, there's something romantic about it. And what's well, that first blush of, of of a new band where it feels like you're falling in love? Yeah, you know, yeah, and people are falling in love with you for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like this you against the world mm-hmm. feeling. You feeling, you know, nobody's in your corner. And like you're, we were so young and pliable to drive to be able to drive around the country and and just see and experience things is it's like maybe the most exciting thing. And then you're, you're like making a little scratch at some yeah. shows. It's great. And you've got energy. Yeah. I mean, you're driving. <laughs> yeah. You're driving seven hours in the morning. You're rushing to a half-ass sound check. You're playing a show, and then you're going out every single night, yeah. having the time of your life. And you're getting up at eight a.m. and doing the same thing the next day. And yeah. you're doing it for two, three. You're like, this will go row. forever. Like yeah. This. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, did it? Is that why I'm tired all the time? Did I just <laughs> overdo it when I was younger? Yeah. And we'd go out for months, you know. And yeah. Yeah. That it's just a special. It's a special time. It's a time we'll always look back at fondly. But there's this part of that song, uh, this two shall pass, where you're talking to your mom and your dad, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Look, you're just you're out there paying your dues, like you're doing your thing," and that's sort of I think what a lot of bands I think who really are doing it, it comes from a place where your family is behind you, mm-hmm. and you have to like prove to them that it's worth it almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're they're not with you on the bus and in, in those shows where no one shows up. Yeah, so you have to be like. Yeah, this is all gonna end in some sort of big, glorious thing, but yeah. you don't know. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. and like the paying the dues thing takes longer than anyone would like to think. For some, it yeah. takes longer than others. Yeah, and yeah, this too. Another thing with that song was, you know, Santa Isabel as a whole really came out of the disintegration of the. Uh, the situation around our last album, last two albums, really. We parted ways with our label. Republic? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was an amicable parting of ways, but it was still a little bit scary because all of a sudden we were on our own again. Mm. And we'd grown accustomed to having certain people pull different weights, you know, yeah. in, in terms of getting music out and recording music and stuff like that. So once again, we were back on our own, as we were for our very first album. But that's kind of like oh, there's a little bit of a reference to that in this two shall pass you know mm-hmm. like left me on a, on the corner with an empty hand feeling low and it's like I remember talking to my dad about like man he was like are you scared and I'm like yeah I am a little bit scared yeah you know I don't really know what our next move is going to be I don't know how we're going to find the next album and well it seems like there's this interesting trend in roots music you know music that's not fully in the mainstream pop world where some folks like you I, I think can sort of be snapped up by a major mm-hmm. label for a bit mm-hmm. and then well it's like well you're not Beyonce or Drake so mm-hmm. good luck to you after a few records you know because like what what is what did they hope was going to happen with you that you'd become what Mumford and Sons or Lumineers it's well, like there's probably. only like a couple yeah. little ways yeah. that they thought you could go David Brothers maybe you yeah know? Um, I, I I do think it's weird to be all in all you know, it was a great experience, but it, you do find yourself at some point sort of at odds with creatively, I think, at odds with you, with yourself. Yeah, and what was weird that we experienced with that with that whole thing was, like I said, when you almost start trusting people, mm-hmm. you have to trust people when you when you you're getting into business with them right. essentially, and so it's like, okay, you have a marketing. Uh, you have a product manager, you have right. a marketing manager, you have a radio uh, uh, promoter. And so you're working with all these people and you try to to work with them on developing a, a unified vision and a unified way of, of a, an understanding of what you are as an artist. And then you let them run with it. And sometimes they deviate from that. And, right. and it's not exactly what you expected. Uh, and other times they don't and it goes better than you thought but regardless what ends up happening is you almost take your hand off the steering wheel Mm -hmm. and you almost become lax in a lot of areas and I felt like we did become lax you become like a business entity you do and you're 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 just your hand is not to the pulse yeah yeah and before you know it like you're getting stuff posted on your social media account that you don't you don't even 
yeah. that you don't even believe yourself. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, what was the weirdest thing that you think got posted on your social media? It, it's just, it's just honestly, it's like advertising stuff. Yeah. And you're like, we're, we don't want to. I think it, it's it, you. That's a great point. I think you have all these people, and you want to like allow them to do their job. So you let your foot off the gas or hand off the wheel. That's a great, great analogy. And then these small compromises I think happen and then before you realize it they've they've turned into bigger compromises if you're not careful before you're uh, yeah, yeah you're just a, a passenger on the train you're like right. wait a minute I used to be the one laying the tracks what what the hell's happened and then so after we got dropped it was a little bit of a, a I don't want to say it, it was a small mental crisis like all of a sudden yeah all of a sudden the train comes to a halt mm-hmm. and nobody's putting coal in the boiler anymore. My son's obsessed with trains, so I know a lot about, <laughs> yeah. a lot about trains. Yeah. yeah, well, nobody's nobody's doing it anymore, and all of a sudden you're like, we got to get this thing moving again, right. and we've got to fill every single role again, like we used to, but yeah. we almost forgot how to do. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that we sat down and we're like, we can do this. It's not right. that yeah. crazy. We just got to gotta grind a little bit. And what's crazy to us is, or with, with us, is I feel like when we are at the helm of every little facet of our career right. it is it's just better yeah. and it maybe we're not getting as much radio play with this album and maybe we're not getting as many publicity looks but I think the people who love our music are connecting more with this album we're having a better time playing the songs and we're we're just more proud of what we're bringing well it's deeply personal a lot of it and it feels and especially you know the um, the harder way the visual on if you go on Spotify there's this little clip of your kids and you're like building a what a like a house part of a house and, yeah you know, we're building uh, you know, chairs yeah and I, mean, I think your son is on like a really yeah. and he's like just loving yeah every moment and I think that's something where even it's just 15 seconds into your life yeah it's so much deeper for the rest of us to be able to be like oh this is so personal and idea. so meaningful that yeah. they would let us take a little look into that you know yeah. thanks for, for noticing man but That's the um, you know you guys have played some some really special places you know you've played Red Rocks you've played Ryman you've played you know places that when you first started just doing simple sort of folk harmonies you probably maybe never dreamed you'd be playing in these big rock and roll moments was there a moment recently or in your last few years where you really felt like this is a dream I think man it's hard not to be the competitive side of you is always just sort of reaching for the next thing so it's sometimes it's hard to appreciate it in the moment I think lately and you said this earlier sort of the living with gratitude Mm -hmm. I think more and more I'm just really I'm really happy that we have this Mm -hmm. and whatever you know however it exists I'm really grateful for for that like we wake up every day and get to play music with our friends and travel and and have a pretty cool modest thing that we've built as two friends who met when they were 14 yeah but there's so but think of that moment though when you stepped out there because sometimes it happens i think every now and again we can be like i can't believe this is happening yeah it's weird because in the moment maybe it is actually hard Almost like when you see the pictures, yeah. then you're like, wow, that yeah, happened. That happens a lot. And that's the thing. Me, the way my mind works, I'm able to justify one-off moments as flukes. Yeah. Or <laughs> I'm able to write them off yeah. as yeah. just, well, we got lucky. We, we got to play this because we were supporting this person, or this isn't really real yet. And to me, when I really feel like, wow, this this is a dream come true, is it's kind of like the old adage, um, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. And when I when I do take a step back, and when a tour goes on sale, and you know we're selling selling tickets to cities we've never been before, and I look at the whole tour and I think about all these places, and I'm like, wow, we're we're about to go out and hit the road mm-hmm. and have a great run. Those are kind of the moments where it actually hits me. It's not necessarily the finite moments mm-hmm. at the shows, mm-hmm. or it's kind of like I'll just. I'll just take a step back and get a 10,000 foot view and that to me is Mm. and I've been having more and more of those moments of wow this like this experience that we're having now this is what we've really worked for for a long time so your your first record Utah was what 2014 
yes. or so. And, you know, that Cast Iron Soul song obviously kind of went all over the place for a yeah. second. Um, do you think that your music can exist in a bigger place than just whatever keeps happening with Americana music, yeah. like where it gets sort of siloed into one it. thing? Yeah. Like, why can't, you know, this the, the opening track of your new record... Um, Crazy Judgment World. Day, Crazy World. Yeah. Like, why can't that be a pop hit right now? Like, that's the kind of world that I want. Yeah. <laughs> in you music. Both, yeah. You know? Yeah, no. I, I because I think that song has the hooks, it has the harmonies, it has a rock and roll spirit. It's like, why can't that be out there with Drake and Rihanna and Justin Bieber? And I feel like somehow <laughs> we have to convince the masses to get behind more music like have the umbrella be a little wider because you guys belong there are we just a terrorizing no good group of criticizing fools racing towards our judgment day hope you're nimble hope you're quick hope you clear the candlestick it's burning with the holy rolling flame just an agonizing, no good group of idolizing food running round without a clue. Has it always been this way? Is this how it's gonna stay? Is there any way we'll make it through? Maybe judgment day is overdue. It's well, that's really kind of you to say. It's hard, you know, the that level of success is it just feels so one dimensional yeah. right now and has for the last every now and then somebody will break through but I don't know if I knew the answer to that question I, 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 I'm jealous of, of my parents generation because their pop music was incredible was oh a huge sort of multi tiered orgasm well, of sound I do think you know? everything wasn't as like Back then, I think radio just played. There, were, there wasn't like genres, you yeah. know, like genre mm-hmm. radio stations. So, yeah. like pop music was so eclectic. Mm-hmm. It's, it was it, somebody. I had this discussion with somebody recently, and they were saying that. And I'm like, man, that that really is true. So you were hearing, you were exposed to so many different sounds, and it, I think it really broadened people's taste. Yeah. And maybe now we we're allowed to be so specific, especially with with streaming services. Like you just listen. It's crazy. Yeah. But. If you could transport yourself to one artist tour of one album that you would join them on their bus, where where and who would that be with? Oh, mm. I, I I can go with the, just because I've been in, on a huge kick. But to go, I mean, oh, there's so many so many answers. But right now at this moment, if I could go back to a Crosby, Stills, Young, and Nash. Crosby Stills Nash Young tour at the height of when they were kind of like before they hated each other yeah yeah, before it just (laughs) totally exploded and just be around that I think that would be really interesting you're kind of killing four birds with one stone right I mean obviously Neil Young I would would go in a heartbeat uh, for a solo tour but to be around all of it I think I'd I'd love to be a I'd go fucking like hand out towels and if you just pick a singular artist who, you never know how weird people are on the road. So if you go with them, you got four people. You're bound to get along with one of them. So no, it had to be. A you're increasing your your odds there. Yeah. I would go with the Jimi Hendrix opening for the Monkees tour just to see how that would work. Yeah. See that would out be of a, blind curiosity. That, that would be because yeah. like, that happened. It would be a riot. Yeah. Be like, all right, we'll be the first of three. The fact that that exists, that that tour exists <laughs> or existed, is pretty incredible. Because somewhere between Jimi Hendrix and the Monkees, that's where gospel revival lives. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that like a bit be, goofy, a little like bit bluesy, a little a bit. Yeah. Oh, like it's it, like uh, somewhere in between there. Oh, I like <laughs> it. That's not a bad place to be, though. But you know, but even like, if you could get the last waltz as an totally. actual full road show yeah. with like Muddy Waters, that's, that's Van Morrison, the band, Dylan, Dylan on tour with the band when yeah. he was touring with the band. That that'd be a fun one to be around. Mm-hmm. To scale it back, to go back to like early John Prine, it'd be pretty cool. That was gonna be what I was gonna yeah. say. When he's sitting on the when he's sitting on the hay bales. Yeah, it's like I think it's seventy seven. This is the self titled one. Yeah, yeah. That came out. Love that album. Illegal smile. 
Oh, yeah. man, they're so... That thing is perfection, to start to finish, yeah. That record made me want to be a better songwriter, like, almost more than anything else. Well, it's interesting, is, yeah, your, your new record, San Isabel, has these country elements with the pedal steel and these sort of train beat drums that are not super prominent. Yeah. Which I think was a main difference that I heard between... Uh, your previous record, which is a little more like, education. Was let's very, fucking pump this shit up. Yeah, you know, totally. let's make it. And this was like, let's yeah, step yeah. back and consider let's our see. whole lives in one mm-hmm. record. They were recorded with such completely different mindsets, and it was it was a conscious decision on our part for this, uh, for San Isabel. And we recorded in a, a cab. Like every day, the doors were open, and we're in the woods, so you can't. Uh, where was that recorded? Uh, just outside of, uh, in Colorado, mm. in the San Isabel mountain mm. range. So that's kind of how you did Utah too, right? Was yeah. it in a in a house? I mean, let's be honest. We asked ourselves. There was a lot more about our first record that that we liked um, more than our second record, and so we thought, why did we change our format? Let's just do <laughs> let's do what worked. And, and so, what we like. It's a fun yeah. process to do it that way. And just though, when we went up to uh, San Isabel to record that album, we just went up there with the two of us and our drummer and uh, our producer. Who was the producer? Jamie Mefford, who uh, has done some Nathaniel Rateliff stuff. Mm. Uh, he's done a lot of uh, Gregory Allen Iskoff stuff, mm. which we really just the texturally, like the atmosphere in those albums, we wanted. Well, I was going to say the use of, of some pedal steel and, and, and elements, organ, there's different things that you guys brought in. It doesn't feel at all like a country record, mm-hmm. but has these southern roots mm-hmm. tingling underneath, which, yeah. I, which I think like a lot of that self-titled Prine album has as well. Mm-hmm. There's like a twang, but almost like ironically. Mm-hmm. Even you know? Neil Young, you know? Yeah. Like Harvest. Harvest has yes. a twang all over it. Yeah. You know, and... The opening of the record with, with Crazy World feels like the opening of Deja Vu, the Crosby, oh. Stills, Nash & Young, which is probably one of my all-time favorite records. Because there's yeah. like a, there's a, an ominous mm-hmm. thread going through it. And, and some of your other songs, too, it feels mellow at first, but then you dig a little bit under the surface, uh, you know, like the last song on the record, Winter's Lament, right? Mm-hmm. You have this chant where, you know, like, yeah, summer's creeping in. But it's not like Joyous. the fun, sunshiny version of summer. It's like some yeah. sort of it's irony, eerie end of of days vibe going through some of it. You know. I can feel the calling died into the wall. The whisper of the morning, the lonely mountains pull. I think there's a little bit of that, like, winter depression, you know, mm. like, uh, or just where you're, like, isolation feeling. <laughs> As I note on Winter's Lament, Neil Young Harvest vibe. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I won't even fight it. Yeah. If we could rip off Neil Young Harvest for every song we ever wrote, we would do it. I'll let you know right now. Mm-hmm. That's if we had the ability, <laughs> yeah. we'd probably cash in on that. Have you ever seen him live? We we have. We saw him, actually, this summer, we... Uh, but the very last minute, we we were asked to, to join um, uh, farm farm aid, aid. Mm. which we like jumped at the opportunity to do, and he performed. And man, he still got it. Like he was it with Crazy Horse? No, yeah, uh, no, uh, Promise of the Real. Oh yeah, with was the, the backing yeah. band, which was which was actually really cool. He rips it, man. He gets after it. Has there been any starstruck moments for you in the last few years? Like what what was one of those moments we keep crossing paths with Bonnie Raitt mm. and she takes my breath away every time I, I see know, her I know I can't get a word out no she. I'm a bumbling idiot whenever around a lot of people but she, she really yeah makes me wobbly in the knees she's just yeah. such a legend and she's such a badass guitar player and her voice still sounds 
incredible. It's yeah. flawless. I, I don't know how and she does she it. And she has like such a such a presence. Like she carries she carries herself with just such swagger and I I, I don't I, I can't I shut down <laughs> I can't function. Yeah, she gets me. We uh, we played a couple shows with Willie Nelson recently. Mm. Getting to see him, we didn't get to hang out with him or anything, but just when he makes his way from his bus to the stage, it's yeah. kind of like this. Everybody clears a path. And mm. Nobody really says a whole lot. You're just in the presence of such a legend, and he just makes his way to the stage, waving to everybody, smiling, and seeing him was just weird. Yeah, and Mickey Raphael is—he's like a, such a sweet guy, and he was really friendly. And, but even being around him, you know, you're just—you're aware of all the things he's experienced mm-hmm. and like the, the what his legacy in music. Mm. And I—it's hard to—it's hard to turn that off and not be a fan. Let me ask you about this uh, sort of waltz lullaby, Who Hung the Moon. Um, it feels like a song almost for your kids, or maybe, you know, sort of to sing someone to sleep or to have them be okay mm-hmm. and dream, you know. Mm-hmm. When you were a little kid, did you ever have outlandish fears? I, I didn't really have a whole lot of fears as a kid. I, I didn't. Did you? I, uh, yeah, you know, afraid of the dark. That was real for me. Yeah, under the bed. I mean, every kid's got that. Yeah, know. but I had those. I'd watch some scary stuff on TV, and I'd be scared for a week, and then it'd wear off. You know what got me was um, arachnophobia. Spiders? And then I was convinced spiders were going to crawl up through the bottom of my bed. Pet Cemetery really fucked me up for a minute. That <laughs> one got me, got me pretty good. Pet Cemetery. That's Ooh. a good one. Yeah. I, I watched that when I was like 25 years old and got scared again. <laughs> <laughs> we, my wife and I on our honeymoon went to Belize, uh-huh. and we we got these bites on us, and mm. we started googling bug bites Belize. Mm. And when you Google, those are very scary words to Google <laughs> yeah. together because the results contain. Lots and lots of videos and pictures of botflies. Yeah, Do you know what a botfly is? Is that where you get malaria? No, it's it's ultimately much more harmless, but ten times as disgusting. So the these flies, like a horsefly, mm-hmm. basically, they hold down a mosquito mm. and they lay their eggs on the mosquito. Disclaimer for weak stomachs. <laughs> yeah, they lay their eggs on the mosquito, and then when a mosquito bites you. The heat of your body activates these larvae, and they crawl down through the little hole that the mosquito has made in your skin. Hmm. They then burrow in your skin, and a month later, you get a live fly coming out of your skin, and it is. It's a nice Stephen King book. Yeah, you know, the opening sequence. Yeah, rough to watch. Has there been any scary hotels where you've encountered ghosts? Well, that could be bed bugs. Bed bugs? We've yeah, encountered Nick, bed Nick, bugs. Nick yeah. got a bad case of the bugs. We've encountered bed bugs. No ghosts. Snake. We've stayed in hotels a, that are supposed to have ghosts. In, in, uh, we, we found a, a five-foot snake yeah. and a dead rat in a hotel snake room. Snake in a hotel room in Arkansas one time. Yeah. For, and our sound guy. He goes, it was alive? Yeah. The snake was alive, yeah. There was like a dead rat in there or something. Wait, in the same room? Yeah. I. Wait, there was a snake and a rat. There was something dead in there. There was a shitload of flies. <laughs> oh and then he found a coiled snake in there wow. yeah it was a rough it was a rough hang <laughs> this is early on yeah. this is early yeah this was a, this is a paying festival years. this was for a festival that is now no it went defunct yeah I think I know which festival you're talking uh, about Walk Wakarusa yeah which had nothing to do with the, yeah. the hotel we booked that on our own yeah Wakarusa was great own. they yeah. didn't provide we're, we're not what did you do with Wakarusa. the snake they, the, I think, I think the guy at the front desk came and removed it. It was it, the guy we, or, who was running sound for us at the time. Uh, TJ was was, it was his room, and I, I think the guy came and got it out. Mm-hmm. I don't was it was it a pet snake or is it just randomly? No, a snake? It, it was a rat snake. It, okay, and, and he, I think he let it go actually. Yeah, that's nice of him. Maybe he put it in there to to help rid <laughs> With the smells of rats. Yeah. yeah. I want to do a creative exercise real quick with you guys because your your harmonies blend so beautifully and yet 
you are two very different people. <laughs> so we need to see how you differ creatively. So I'm going to say right. the following phrase. Word response? And you're going to think about one moment in your life immediately. Don't try to think too okay. hard about it. Okay. Like reactions? Yeah. Okay. Vitriol. Red. First word, you already have a word, just say it. It doesn't have to make sense. Or it could sense. be a moment, it could be a song. Yeah, for some reason, junior high popped in my head. Okay. Yeah. In, 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 okay. in Magnolia, <laughs> a lot of vitriol. That was, I was West Texas then, I hadn't moved to, hadn't moved to Houston. Yeah. Okay. Cloudless. Arizona. Yeah, desert. Foxhole. I just see a red fox. Trust. Mm. Mm. Deep. Did you see the movie 1917? I did. Yeah. It was amazing. I love Band of Brothers. Mm. All that. I'm a sucker for all that stuff. It just makes you have to question so much about yourself, I feel like, to be in that position. Did anybody in your family ever go to the military? My grandfather did. But he never saw action. He was just on a ship during World War Two. Yeah, my grandpa too. Yeah. I think our grandpas experienced a lot of really intense trauma mm -hmm. oh, yeah. that they never talked about because you—it's a silent generation. You don't talk about it. That I've only started to really almost question my grandma about. Mm. That like, why was he so kind of terrified whenever it rained? You know, yeah, like these he would get. That completely batshit sometimes when the rain would come down in New York he'd be like we're not going anywhere we can't leave the house and we're like it's just it's just sprinkling so outside yeah. yeah but he was like in the Navy like you know torpedoes coming at him and there's I something know. about the rain that like was so ominous to him you know and you can never really talk to him about it because mm -hmm. it just it, we, it didn't work that way he didn't do that yeah know? it's an interesting there's like this um, stoic, you know, stoicism to it, and and like t just toughness, but in the same way, I think it, you know, could be pretty unhealthy for a lot of folks to not not have the tools to open up emotionally. I don't. I don't know. Do you think? There's like, there's yeah. a, I, I admire it on one hand, and then also yeah. think about how probably unhealthy that is. Well, the progression human. I think of, especially of people who are almost opening their diaries for strangers every night of the week. Yeah. For, it's like the progression from our grandfathers in the war to mm -hmm. us as touring songwriters. Yeah. It's a pretty steep change, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think about how awesome would it be to have been able to sit down with your grandpa or even mine and, and like, really get into the things. Yeah. I was also too young before right. he passed to really understand that, but... Um, to get into those things that they saw and, and have that perspective, but I can understand why it'd be really difficult to talk about stuff. What also like, ama always amazed me about my family is they're not storyteller people, right? <laughs> so they'd have these stories that were so incredible or so bizarre, but they were like, yeah, and then the, you know, the torpedo came on our boat and it didn't explode and we all lived. So what do you guys <laughs> want to order? Uh, pizza? Or? Yeah. And you're like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. It's funny that you would then go on to pursue some being in the, the job of a storyteller too you know well your song killing you killing me you know there's that line you know i'll always regret the things i never said mm -hmm. you know and you know songwriting i think is a unique gift in that we can almost tell the world things that we would normally not have the courage to even tell our closest friends or family yeah that one that is kind of about so, Killing You, Killing Me is honestly about just our, our, our addiction to phones <laughs> and, and the pervasiveness of technology in yeah. our intimate lives. Right. And I think about just my, how my first reaction in the morning is to roll over and pick up my cell phone. It's the last thing I see before I ultimately fall asleep. Yeah. And I'm conscious of that. And even as, as, as I am conscious about it, I still have a hard time doing something about it. It's just... We're rats going through the opium drip. We're exactly. Like, oh, God, I, I know it's it. bad for me, but I, I, I have a really hard time quitting it. And I'm... I, I don't know. I, I really try to build in safety measures for myself just to keep me away from it and to keep me present in the moment. And Killing You, Killing Me is about just that... How that gets in between 
mm. you with your spouse, mm. with your with your kids. And how are you going to keep your kids off of social media? They're so young, obviously, but like eventually they're going to know. Is that they're a fear of yours? Oh, yeah. I was yeah. talking to my Uber driver about this on the way to the airport the other day. <laughs> Uber driver's the new therapist. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And he was, you know, he, we were working through some things. Yeah, yeah. And we <laughs> he had he, a really good session. Yeah, it was a great session. 30 minute trip. Yeah, I tipped him really well. It was only $26. <laughs> yeah. Plus tip. And he. No, we were talking about he had kids as well, and it's something he was trying to navigate. His kids were a little older than mine, but he just said, man, it's kids don't realize how when you do stuff now, it's out there forever, and they'll be so haphazard with this stuff. Yeah. And just whether it's an insult or a dick pic, you know, yeah. when it's out there, it's out there, and you just you can't take it back. And you just, when you're, your 15-year-old your mind cannot fathom yeah. repercussions and yeah. ramifications it's just not ours sure as hell didn't no, but fortunately yeah. social media didn't exist when we were 15 so I don't know man it's a different world yeah imagine if somebody could pull up all your like AOL instant messenger chats oh. yeah that'd be rough or if some of the stupid stuff we did happened on the internet mm -hmm. that's a world I don't don't want to live How do you feel you've changed from when you first met at 15 to now? What is your biggest sort of personal evolution? That's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. You know, we've been such close friends for such a long time. We really came of age together in a lot of ways. I think we've experienced so much together that we have a lot. We just have so much shared shared time but then you know we we are different people and john and uh, i think as we get older kind of we're able to celebrate those differences a little bit more and and like appreciate that in each other and the different paths we've taken outside of us as a band mm -hmm. outside of our friendship you know um but i couldn't answer i couldn't say what my biggest i think maybe my biggest evolution has been realizing uh, just all the ways that I'm fucked up but I still don't know what to do about them yeah, <laughs> but or at least accepting I them yeah. not no not accepting them because I'm still railing against them but you know just I think it re at least I'm uh, starting to realize like wow that's a that's on me or like the you know just whether even just deep personal things like like having a hard time just enjoying the present and just mm -hmm. like I don't be, at least becoming conscious of those things so I can maybe one day feel like I've gained some sort of wisdom to, you, to battle against those do things. Do you feel like that's I, I, I understand that hits close to home and I, I wonder more and more if that's just an, a maturity thing like an age thing you start to examine yourself a little bit more. I think at, at some time at some point that morphs into something they refer to as wisdom. Yeah. And it's not there yet but I, you know at some point, it's the. You think your kids force you to be more present? Uh, they force me to recognize when I'm not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, oh man, even my one-year-old, if I if I make the mistake of pulling out my phone, probably to check something that doesn't need to be checked, that would be just fine if I. But that vibration it. in your pocket yeah. feels important. So I check it, and if he's sitting in my lap and I look at my phone, he does this thing that he. He peers around and wants to make eye contact like, with hey. me. And he waits till I look at his eyes and then he'll smile. And it's just a little reminder like, oh, wow, I was I was being that guy. <laughs> Got the kid in his lap and I was looking at my stupid phone. Makes me want to cry. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, I heard, I was listening to some podcast or something. And they were interviewing little kids. Yeah. And they were asking... Um, if you could take one thing away from your parents, because they were talking about parents taking kids away from their toys. Right. And it was so heartbreaking. So many kids were saying, I would take away mommy's phone or take away daddy's phone. Yeah. It's like, oh, gosh. That, that'll that really Well, it you. makes me be it's also thankful. because the parents will be saying that in 10 more years. Yeah. Exactly. About their kids. Totally. Well, yeah. it makes me feel thankful that I was maybe the last generation to grow up mm -hmm. in this sort of make-your-own-fun time, you know? Yeah. Where you had like a game that I had with when you're really impressionable, yeah. Like a tennis ball and like the side stairway, yeah. and it was yeah. like that would just be your game for yeah. hours. Well, you don't let the balloon touch the floor. You know, well, you wonder if it's gonna it's gonna affect creativity. 
Because I think I you gotta like, think that, yeah. Because creativity comes from being alone with your thoughts and being idle. Yeah, you know, boredom is powerful. If your if your mind never has time to start conjuring up crazy ideas, right? Oh. All right, I'm gonna ask you one last torturous question, and then we'll do a song, if that's all right. Sure. You guys can start your own music festival, the Jamestown Revival Revival. All right. <laughs> so if you started your own festival, here's the caveat: it can be any artist, dead or alive. Each of you have to tell me your first five artists that you would book, and Dinner where five. you would set this festival anywhere in the world. Money is no object. It could be on the moon. Oh, you know what? Sedona, Arizona would be a cool spot for a festival. There might be one. I, I, I don't know. I've always thought that would be a fun setting. All right, live in Sedona, in the yeah. vortex. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's me. Mm-hmm. I have a, sec- a close second place, and I'm hoping you'll say it. Hmm. Man, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I think probably uh, my family's got some ranch land, and you know, bring some of the greats back into the fold. All right. Get them out on the ranch. Give me your first five. I mean, it'd be it'd be Neil Young. It'd be Guy Clark. It'd be John Prine. Um, and Fogarty. Is that four? I think so. Yeah, and uh, you know what? For good measure, for my dad, James Taylor. Okay. Solid lineup. Yeah. Sweet baby James. Okay, I'm going to avoid those names <laughs> Okay. for fun, but I like a lot of those. <laughs> Beatles, duh. Which album? It, it depends. It depends. It depends on the mood. Rubber Soul, continue. Yeah. I, uh, hey, catch me on the right day. That's the <laughs> one. Um, Willie. Throw some Willie Nelson in there. Uh, oh, man. You know what? Let's go Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Um, Beggar's Banquet. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. <laughs> uh,. Oh, this is tough, though. Okay. CSNY. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just for good measure, Merle Haggard. Mm-hmm. Actually, and sixth, Bob Dylan. There you go. <laughs> just, and seven, and I, I'm like still, Beyonce. 23. I'm still emailing you tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got to play some shows with Merle before he passed away. Oh, really? And that was really cool. We got to meet him and... He was everything in I'd Texas. Uh, this is in California. Oh, nice. Yeah, we did that little run, like California run with him. He yeah. was everything I hoped he'd be. Yeah, it was. He was. Did he give you any words of wisdom? He did. You know, I, I, I've never asked anyone to sign my guitar. Just, uh-huh. I don't know. Just, I don't want to be that guy. When you, when you get the chance to be in the presence of some of these people, you never want to be that guy, right? But with Merle, I thought this is the one time I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, and so I, my guitar. We went onto his bus, and his bus driver went back to get him. And he's like, he came back. He's like, "Well, Merle's, she's watching his UFC fights. He'll be out in a minute." And the whole, you know, there's a That's plume of, part. Yeah. yeah, the whole bus smelled wonderfully like marijuana. It smelled very green. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was his Watch little his chihuahua. UFC. His yeah. little chihuahua was going crazy, barking us uh, at the front. Yeah. And he comes out from watching his UFC fights, and they were Merle's UFC fights. I was like, that. Merle's watching his UFC. He's watching, watching his stories. Yeah. yeah, and he came out, and he was nice as could be, and he picked up my guitar, strummed a few chords, and he's like, "This one sounds like it's still got some songs in it." And I'm like, "Yes, sir, it does." And and he signed it for me, and it was cool. It was a really special moment. I got to take a picture with him, and it, it was coincidentally, you know, three four months before. Hmm. Maybe later than that, but uh, it felt long like after, yeah. it felt like very soon after. <laughs> what song do you think you want to try? Uh, how about um, how about this two shall pass? We've talked a lot yeah. about it.
your ticket to ride Took the wrong stop, sat down on the side of the road Big thanks again to Jonathan and Zach of Jamestown Revival for talking to me. Go to jamestownrevival.com for the music and their tour dates. If you've been following along with your favorite bands, you'll probably realize that most festivals and club dates are being pushed into the new year or late into the fall. Uh, Jamestown Revival has some really cool city winery dates starting in early 2021. Yes, it's hard to believe we're already thinking that far ahead, but they'll be playing in Nashville and in uh, Washington, D.C., New York City, playing City Winery, I believe, as a duo. I first met these guys playing Hotel Cafe in L.A. with them years ago. They were both wearing onesies. It was charming, and they are such a cool duo, stripped down to the basics. Please go see those shows. And their newest record is called San Isabel on 30 Tigers. Please listen to it. It is beautiful. 
If you head over to thebluegrasssituation.com, you'll see a really cool piece about their song Harder Way, maybe my favorite song from the new record. It came out in June of last year, and it talks about the feeling you get when you're isolated in a room full of people. And it's kind of funny thinking about that now when we're not even allowed to be in a room full of people, but that song really tells the story of their maturity and how they've grown up together. If you haven't already noticed, the fine folks at Bluegrass Situation and its esteemed founder, Ed Helms, are putting on a weekly musical event online called the Whiskey Sour Happy Hour. Amazing folks playing music, doing comedy. Check it out, bluegrasssituation.com. As always, I will end with my usual plea. Please, go out there, support the bands that you love during this hard time. You can give to us at Dust Bowl Revival on Venmo. Check out the new videos. It's really, really awesome to see people coming together online to support their favorite musicians. And if all goes to plan, my burns will heal on this hand. Man, it really hurts. And we will be playing some shows in September, so look out for that DustBowlRevival.com. The show on the road is hosted by me, Zach Lupiton, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love the show on the road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com slash show on the road. Tell your friends and also be sure to check out BGS's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now on the bluegrasssituation.com. The show on the road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lubiton. See you on the trail. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.